Hello and welcome to the One Link Podcast. I'm Brad and I'm joined again for the third time now. We're hitting the trifecta here, James. Right. Third time's a charm. That's right. So here's James is with us. And we're continuing on our series of interviewing some of our overseas partners. And we are really blessed this morning to have with us Ken, who's also in Central Asia. This has been kind of our Central Asia a uh, couple weeks here. So Ken, glad to have you with us. Good to be with you guys. Yeah. So, uh, Ken, just start off. Tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of how you got involved in your current work, maybe how long you've been at it. Sure. Yeah. So I uh, grew up in the South and um, was on pretty much a traditional ministry track from college, went to um, a conference about what God was doing among the nations. And God just kind of blew my heart up for that. Uh, but I, I waited a long time between that conference and when I actually went overseas, which is a much longer story. But I uh, spent three years in East Asia as a journeyman through the journeyman program. And at the end of that three years, I uh, met a girl who had just come back career with, with our organization. And um, was she was pretty content to say, man, I'm, I'm good to just do this thing by myself. And I said, you don't, you don't have to do that. And we got married and uh, have been back together on the field uh, for the last 12 years. We spent the last 11 in East Asia and then uh, about a year and a half ago had to leave there pretty suddenly um, and now are relocated in Central Asia working uh, on a new language and in a new culture. We've always been involved with college students and campus facing and tried to plant churches among college students in all the contexts where we worked before. And so Lord willing, that's what we'll be doing here after we uh, fumble through this language for the next few years and, and learn how to actually communicate some stuff. So uh, we have three kids that are um, school, elementary and middle school age now. And so um, they are in school here and with us for the journey and uh, adjusting to a new place as well. I got two questions just out of that. Like one, when you left, you know, uh, how would you have evaluate, how do you evaluate your work for where you left or what was the status of the work? And then mm -hmm. two, like how have your kids dealt with the transition? Cause I know it can be difficult yeah, for adults, but there's a whole nother level of, of processing when you're a child. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there were so many things about our work that were answers to prayer that we had been hoping for for over a decade. You know, uh, this time two years ago, I was on an international trip with a group of believers from a house church that we were investing in. It was the first time I'd gotten to go overseas with them. And so then this little Corona thing started and we were getting text messages about, hey, you guys will need to be careful when you get back home, um, buy some masks if you see them. And kind of like, ah, we won't need those. It'll be fine. I'll buy a hundred and we'll, you know, we'll throw 80 of them away after this thing passes. Um, but our, you know, we had planted a church there that um, when we knew we had to leave uh, was absorbed by another church. Um, it was not at a place yet where it had qualified elders, uh, but it was healthy and it was, it was good. Just wasn't mature yet. It was only about four years old. Um, but God was doing things that we had been asking him to do forever. Um, and our team was good. The work was good. We had momentum, even in talking with one link about, man, send us 20 more students for a couple of years that we could, you know, really build something that was going to last there. Um, and so I, I would say the work was better than it had ever been uh, when we, when we left. 
and and it was harder to leave than it would have been even five years earlier because it was was so good. Um, but we we trust the Lord in that one of the scriptures that the Lord took us to through that time was that the Lord sits enthroned above the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as King forever. May the Lord be gracious to His people. May the Lord bless His people with peace. And and He did through that time. Uh, that doesn't mean it's been easy. Um, to answer the question about our kids, um, one of our kids is Chinese, was born there. That's all she had ever known growing up there. And so America had been this place that was fun for them to visit, but China was home for them. And so there has been so much grief and so many layers of that. And it grief is this weird thing that floats in and floats out at times. And um, so they've struggled through that, I think some of for, for one of them, it's been a reticence to build relationships here. Uh, for another, it's been just feeling displaced without a home here or in America um, or in the home that we left. Um, for my daughter, uh, who is Chinese, it, it's looked like, man, I can I can embrace the fact that I'm Chinese, but I I can know that I won't be able to go back there anytime soon. Our family, it would not be wise for us to enter there anytime in the next few years. And so um, that that's still real raw for them and still peaks its head up uh, in, in crazy ways at times, things that you wouldn't think would trigger it. Um, it's, it's right there below the surface, probably every day for them. Yeah. And what about for you and your bride? I mean, that's too personal. I thought this was weird to talk about the work. Um, man, it's, yeah. It's, <laughs> James I, asked I think, all the personal I, hard questions. I just want to prep you for that. I'll throw you the perfect. softballs, Ken. So you, yeah, thank, thanks. thanks. He and I have been friends for a long time. So I know he's, I know he's a good, good listener question asker. Um, yeah. I mean, I think at first I was really scared to hope for here, you know, and really scared to dream. I think um, I, just hated everything about here and decided I wasn't going to love it again. Um, but, but the Lord has been kind to bring me to a place where I, I'm starting to, I feel like our roots are like right below the surface of the soil. They're not sitting on top, hoping that they're going to get through that topsoil, but they're not deep either. Um, so I, I think that's where I am for, for my wife. Uh, when we still long for those days and that work, I think um, for her, she's, she has a lot stronger faith than me, truth be told, and uh, just trust that this is where the Lord has us, but it, it still stings. And there's still memories that are smells or tastes, or we, we drive by, uh, you know, the Chinese restaurant here in town that it, it just triggers all these things. Or um, I think for all of us, when, when things that were easy, where we used to live are really, really hard here whether that be relationships or communication or navigating things or understanding processes. When, when those frustrations bubble up, it looks a lot more like grief than anger most of the time. And, and that's been a surprising thing uh, that, that uh, those scars are still pretty raw at times and can, can open up again pretty easily. Yeah, and I know that having studied a language that is similar to yours, I know that is a a big thing to tackle. So that that's no starting over is not easy. So I um I certainly applaud you for that. What are so you've shared a few of the challenges 
Ken, what are, um, are there some kind of joys, some little, little moments where of success or, you know, where you feel, uh, the Lord's encouragement? Yeah, man, I think, you know, I, I was doing a year in review, um, at, at the end of last year. And one of the questions was, what are you most proud of? And, and for me, honestly, that was that we're still here, you know, that we were able to <laughs> make it through another year on the field and navigate the challenges of COVID, um, all the, the ways that that precluded us from building the kinds of relationships that we wanted to build. But I, I think I'm, I'm most encouraged um, by the fact that in a place that's as needy as this one, God is sending a lot of people uh, mm. to bring the gospel here. People who would not have chosen to be here first people who had to leave places that they loved more than this one, people like us, but, but a lot more than just us, that God is sending people here and that God is working in the hearts of people here. I'll give you one example. Um, we work with a, a website that sends Bibles to people who request them. And they said that in 2020, the requests for Bibles were four times more than in 2019. And every person who gets a Bible is followed up with and and visited with by somebody to ask them, hey, are you reading this? Do you understand it? Do you want to know more about it? And so I see the Lord working in a place where, you know, where we live right now, one in every 15 to 20,000, depending on who you ask, people know Jesus. And so we've never been in a place that's as dark as this one. But but those those little candle flickers of light seem really, really bright right now. And I, I'm just believing that God uh, is bringing the people into, into this place in, in line with the circumstances and the suffering that's around us, that it might just be time that, that he's working here. And so I think even though that on the micro level, man, we're, we're crawling along in language and cultural acquisition, on the macro, it sure seems like the Lord's up to something here in this place. And and that's been really encouraging. Yeah. That's great. As you're, as you're starting to see some of those things and you're beginning to kind of dream about that, the future and what all God will do, what do you see as some of kind of the big challenges um, ahead on that? Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, we have a lot of field experience, but we don't have a lot of experience here. And so I think my tendency would be to jump in too quickly and start acting on vision before I really even know what I should be visioning about. Um, so I, I, I want to put a governor on my own. Uh, what's the word? Enthusiasm. Yeah, I want to put a governor on my own enthusiasm to just slow down and be prayerful and trust God and the people that he's put around us to trust the process that um, we don't know enough language and culture yet to to jump in. But I mean, the challenge anywhere, I guess, is twofold. Um, Always our own sin and my own struggle to depend on Jesus in the way that I need to. And then just the hardness of the hearts of, of folks here. We live in a context that's been historically Muslim, but is very secular right now and um, is, you know, you have people from a, a real variety of work worldviews. We'll sit down at times and feel like we're talking to an American college student uh, when we're talking to a young adult here. And then at other times we'll have a Muslim person tell us that we're, uh, that we're infidels because we haven't, you know, prayed the right prayers or whatever. So figuring out our context, I think will, will be one of the biggest challenges. 
Um, and then not interposing everything that we learned in East Asia on top of here, realizing that it really is a different, a different context. And so um, we, we want to take a humble posture and realize that this is a different place with different needs and different people, and that we really need wisdom from God to know what to do. That's great. Well, I know uh, one of the things we would emphasize with people when they, they came to join our team, when uh, my wife and I were serving overseas, is that sometimes you just got to laugh. You got to bring some laughing into your life. You know, if you're not laughing, you'll, you'll probably be crying. So uh, we tried to, you know, kind of embrace some of the funny moments that would happen overseas. Tell us, this could either be from your current location or where you served in the past. What's kind of a funny story or some uh, funny circumstance you were in? Yeah, I probably have one from each. So we're we're in language class right now. And we're studying with people who are, you know, the age that I was when I started learning the last language that we learned. And so uh, our teacher at times has to slow the whole class down for us. And so one day I, she notices that I'm being really apologetic to these these young folks that are that are in our class. And she said, "She's my age." She said, it, "It's okay. I, they know that you're old, and and I understand. Now I learn a lot faster than you, but I understand that you're old too. <laughs> so just they're not mad at you because you're old. It's fine. They have to respect you here. Um, that." For, so for that's from here in our old context, um, our apartment window faced our neighbors and it was like 10 yards from, from our house to their house. And so our next door neighbor came over and he said, Hey, I want to, I want to cook dinner for you guys. I bet you don't know how to cook Chinese food. And, and as he comes, it starts to make plans to come over. He starts sending my wife messages and saying, Hey, do you guys have knives and a cutting board? And, you know, do you have a pan? And so he comes over on the night that he's going to cook and he makes about eight trips to his apartment to get all his supplies, everything, bowls to chopsticks to pans. And, and as he starts to cook, he realizes that we actually do have a fully functioning kitchen. And so he says to, to my wife about halfway through, um, I just, I just didn't even know that you knew how to cook every day at lunch. I would hear that machine, our blender running and see you in the kitchen making sandwiches for the kids. And so I thought this poor lady doesn't know how to use anything. So I'm going to come over here and teach her how to make a meal. <laughs> and so they start talking and he's, she's like, no, I actually go and I, I buy groceries and I know how to do all the things. He said, well, you've never been at my market. So I just assumed you didn't even cook. And so um, she loves to tell the story of how we were hosting, you know, literally hundreds of people in our house across the, across the year. And our, our neighbor thought that she didn't even know how to make a meal. <laughs> yeah, that is funny. Um, when you think about your, your two contexts that you've been in, how do you see, like, how is sharing your faith different in this context than the last, or is there a difference yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, in our last context, there was a lot of talk with almost everybody we would share with of we East Asian people, we believe these things and it was always the same stuff. And so you could kind of be prepared for two or three roads that the conversation was going to go go down and m most students had been raised um, as atheistic, naturalistic you know, believing in, in science and trusting in themselves. That was kind of the general line. And, and we knew how to handle that here. Um, my boss likes to tell the story that he, he was talking to some guys one time and they said, all of us have Muslim on our identity card, but this guy over here, he's an atheist. This guy, he's a deist. This guy's kind of a Muslim. And this guy, he's an alcoholist. 
and, and, and that's actually just really accurate for here that uh, we've met people who literally told us they pray to the former dead president of this country who died like in the sixties, uh, but that he somehow helps them almost like the American, you know, I'm trusting in the universe thing. Um, we've met folks who really are Muslim and, and do Ramadan and, and pray and fast. And through all that, we've met, we've met folks who hate all religions and uh, don't want us to, tell them anything about Christianity because they know a religion and it's been really bad for this place. And then, and then we've met others who are like, well, I'm kind of, there must be a God, but I don't know anything about it. And so I think the thing that we're learning most about sharing the gospel here is to be a really good listener and to have multiple paths through which we can get to the gospel to, I mean, that's kind of the biblical way of, of sharing, right? You don't have your, your memorized presentation, but you look for those threads that will take you, those bridges that you can cross uh, to get to the gospel. And so language-wise, that's a lot more challenging. You know, in mm -hmm. East Asia, we kind of knew this is where we're going to be going, and this is the way that we'll get there. Here, um, it, we're learning that it's going to take a lot more intentional listening and a lot more uh, understanding the person that's sitting across from us. One thing that I've been really encouraged through is in, in first Thessalonians, Paul's talking about the depth of his relationship with that church. And he, he marries together in chapters one and chapters two of first Thessalonians, he marries together the depth of their relationship and the depth of gospel impact in their lives in this, in this way that for me, man, when I'm sitting down and trying to memorize that word again, that I've looked at 25 times and just cannot get all seven syllables out of my mouth. The thing that I go back to is that, that I want to, I want to be able to have, and I want for, for my wife and for our kids to be able to have a depth of relationship where we can be such good listeners and such good lovers of the people in front of us that the gospel can land in their lives with power because it goes so deeply because of the, the, the relationship that we have with those folks. Um, and so I, I think my, my evangelism strategy in some ways has changed since we moved here, partially because of the cultural norms here of, man, if you make an appointment, it's going to be four hours long. You just need to block off that you're going to be drinking tea for four hours and you're going to talk about nothing before you get to talk about something for a really, really long time. And actually, that's not a bad thing. Um, and it, it actually can be a really beautiful thing because you're sharing your life on such an authentic and deep level with people that I, I'm trusting God and, and praying hard that that depth of relationship can lead to a depth of gospel impact with our next door neighbor and the person who runs the bakery across, across the street, you know, and the medical student who I met when I took my kid to the hospital for the fourth time this year, that, that the depth of those relationships can lead to a depth of gospel impact that, that, that I, man, I, I would be honest to say, like for many years in East Asia, I, I at times got so focused on the strategy that I just missed just loving the people in the way that Jesus does. And so it's a big shift that's occurred in my heart from there to here. Probably I was doing it wrong all along, to be honest, and this is the way that it should have been. But I, I'm really challenged by and encouraged by the word with that. That's really good. Well, I know, Ken, we've sent you a lot of student teams over the years, and uh, we've been chomping at the bits to uh, to get some teams to you. And as you've been getting settled in there, you're kind of uh, waiting maybe next summer. 
What are yeah. what are yeah. some things you see some open doors, particularly working with students and kind of that avenue that maybe some some openings the Lord is giving or some things you hope for in that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, there, there is a real desire to make friends with people from other cultures here. It's a multicultural place and city. Um, I think students have traditionally here just gone to parks and, and played games and, and met people or, you know, set up at a coffee shop and tried to speak to people in English. It's not hard. It's a really warm culture. And so people will enthusiastically greet you and get to know you. And so, man, we would love to see groups of students come and just absorb the beauty that is this place and pray hard for the brokenness that permeates all of that beauty and um, go out and love on people and get to know people. It's, it's not hard to strike up conversations and even to strike up spiritual conversations because this is a Muslim context at its core, people are very willing to talk about religion and their beliefs. And so um, that part to me is really exciting. We're still getting the lay of the land with what campus work looks like. You can't go on campus in ways that you could in places that we lived before, but that doesn't have to be a hindrance. There are enough of those students that are leaving campuses and going to one of the 4 billion coffee shops <laughs> that are around campus um, that it's it's pretty easy to meet people and and love people. And, and I mean, as a plug, we, we would also love uh, to have people come for a year and study on a campus and have access to the campus in a way that we couldn't because I'm, I'm too old to walk on there anymore. Um, but, but those who are studying language on that place can have access and, and go and build relationships and have a card to get on and get access to those 70,000 students uh, that the rest of us can't get to. And so now we we are excited to think about and dream about again having teams for six to eight weeks or a year or longer to come and, and plant their lives here. Yeah, for sure. When I look back at my college experience, sometimes I'm like, why did I not go spend a year as an exchange student somewhere else? Like, what was I thinking? You know, it's a great, mm-hmm. great opportunity. Yeah, and I mean, one of the things that really excites us about here. Um, is because of where we sit in the world, there are students on campus from every country in the world. And so maybe God would bring some students here to study language of this country, but really the that they, while they're here, would meet somebody from Yemen or Saudi or Iran or a place where they really can't go, Azerbaijan, and share with them. Wouldn't it be like the Lord? I always thought this when we were in East Asia, wouldn't it be like the Lord to bring people from those countries to another place where they wouldn't expect to hear the gospel for them to believe it here and take it back to the places they come from? That just sounds like a thing that a God who runs an upside down kingdom would do to me and gets me really excited for, for students to come. Yeah. When you think about students, the American Western church, what would be your like encouragement or challenge that you would give to us over here? One of the things that I've been thinking about a lot, um, let me frame it like this. We had a teammate who had been here about a month and man, it was hard. She's just struggling through it. And she said, I went to all these conferences. I heard all these people. I watched all these videos. I read all the books by the people that y'all are sending this, the same stuff they're reading and hearing. And she said, honestly, I just thought it would be more exciting. And right now I'm only here out of obedience. And that's enough. 
it's enough to keep her here for right now. You don't have to be excited every day, you know, but, I, but I think my encouragement would be look at the ways God called people into this work. When, when the, the spirit comes to Ananias and he goes and lays hands on Paul, which is Paul's call to go to the nations. God says to him, go tell him how much I'm, he must suffer for my name. When Paul writes to Timothy in second Timothy, he says, join me in suffering for the gospel. And then he gives him these three analogies. He gives him the analogy of a farmer and an athlete and a soldier. In all three of those professions, you have very long periods of monotonous preparation without much sign of anything happening. And so I, I think my encouragement to students who are coming would be be prepared to suffer and be prepared for it to take a lot longer than you think. We've literally had people tell us they wouldn't come and work with us in this place because it seemed like God wasn't doing enough yet. For me, that's the reason I want to come because he's going to do something. He promises to build his kingdom. So let's be here and wait around until he does. Um, so my, my encouragement to students would be, man, get fired up by the Platt sermons and the, the passion stuff and, and listen to your campus ministers when they're, when they're motivating you to go. But realize that in the day to day, oftentimes it looks like a lot of discipline a lot of prayer, and a lot of just sipping tea and waiting with people until God opens the door for you to plant the gospel into their hearts in a way that's meaningful and not forced and awkward and that they can't hear it. That's a good word, Ken. Appreciate that. Well, we, we really want to uh, not neglect to use this time to pray for you as well. Um, so yeah. could you share just a couple prayer requests with us and then we'd, we'd love to pray for you before we end the podcast. Yeah, I think one of the things we've prayed for daily since we came here is that the Lord would give, give each member of our family a really good local friend. Um, and, and by that, I mean a, a person who we can love deeply in the way that I was talking about earlier and who would love us not as a novelty and not as just a foreigner that's here, but as a, as a, a, a genuine friend and a, a genuine person that they love doing life with. Um, I think that's, that's a big one for us. Language and cultural acquisition is an everyday battle. Uh, I, I joke about it being hard, but it really is hard. Um, but just faithfulness in the mundane things that we would put our hands to the plow with that and say no to other things so that we can say yes to this, because in the long run, that's going to bear really good fruit um, for our family and, and for us. And lastly, just that we would ab abide in Christ daily, that we would stay really close with him and, and through being really close with him, that we would bear the fruit of loving others and growing in Christ likeness. Man, if the Lord chose to do those things, uh, that would be enough for us, I think, for, for the next few years, even. Um, again, we're, I'll add one more. We really are starting to, to be excited and to dream again, but we want to make sure that we're making the plans that he has for us. Proverbs 16 
that many are the plans in a man's heart, but the Lord directs his steps means a lot more to me than it did three years ago as mm-hmm. with what we've walked through as a family. And so I really want our steps to be directed by him. I really want our plans to be guided by him and led by his spirit. So if, man, I would appreciate you guys praying those things for us. Let's go ahead and do that right now. We'd love to, to pray those things before we end here. Lord, I do pray for Ken and his family. Uh, I pray just the the challenges, the daily challenges of learning language and communicating and and all they've walked through with having to start over where they were a little bit more um, prepared in their, their old context. And now they're kind of starting from zero. Um, help them, Lord, help Ken and his wife to really make progress and their kids to make progress. I, I pray you'd give them local friends that they could connect with and just feel like, yeah, we're, we're a part of this community. And so encourage them and, and provide that for them. And I pray he would, um, you'd continue to give them excitement and vision for the work and you would help them to, to make sure they're walking in step with you and their, their, their hands are open to what you want to do. And, and we just uh, praise you ahead of time for what you are going to do. We, we believe that whether we, it looks like what we think or whether we see it all, you know, tan, you know, visibly, uh, we know what you're doing is powerful work and it's good, Lord. And so we praise you for that and pray you'd um, continue to spur Ken and his family on. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. 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 We well, really appreciate yeah. you. Appreciate you jumping on. You're always, always full of good information and uh, uh, an encouragement and a challenge. Uh, and we so, so deeply appreciate appreciative of your time and the, we look forward to having more partnerships with you in the future. Yep. Always great to be with you, Ken. And uh, let's do this again. Man, sounds great. We are grateful for the ministry of, of One Link and um, has been a, a big part of our lives and family since since we came to the field. So we're, we're super grateful for what you guys do. Uh, well, thanks again. And podcast listeners, we'll see you again next time. Mm-hmm.